0: yes indeed it is the latest edition of the announcer schedules podcast and no i am not mike gill because mike is taking a well-deserved vacation week i am merely the somewhat capable fill-in tj reeves uh, part of the last word on sports uh, media podcast feed here so uh, phil demont mullen was looking around baker mayfield wasn't available because the bucks just signed him There's a a bunch of NCAA tournament teams that aren't available to come in. So he said, hey, TJ, can you come in here? Can you help me out? Hello, Phil. And it's great to be hanging out with you on the Announcer Schedules podcast. Yeah, and what an exciting time for us to, to get together, TJ. March Madness, here we are. You don't happen to have Baker Mayfield's phone number because everybody else wants that right now in Tampa Bay as that signing has happened right as we're releasing this podcast. We're recording it and releasing it uh, as we do. By the way, thank you for finding uh, Phil and me on this edition, however you found this podcast, through a social media link. Great work with Phil and his announcer, Sked's Twitter handle. Uh, whether you found us through the lastwordonsports.com and their podcast feed and their and their website, thank you for finding us. Uh, again, Mike is typically here with Phil. You guys do a fantastic job. They need to be following or subscribing to Last Word on Sports Media podcast feed, and they'll get more content like this uh, as well through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Thank you for doing that. On the show, lots of March Madness. Uh, as well as some other things, we've got World Baseball Classic going on, little NBA, little NHL, but a lot of it's going to be dominated by March Madness and the announcers announcing in and around the conference tournaments, the NCAA tournaments, uh, men's and women's. So, Phil, it's great. To, it's great to be with you. It's our time of the year. It's my, if you're a fan of 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 college sports, of college hoops, this is it. This is Nirvana. This is this is what March is all about, and the mayhem of March is all about.
1: Yeah. And if you're a fan of the broadcast too, this is the time of year where you have more than, you know, you could ever dream of, you know, there's multiple games going on at once on, you know, on network television, you've got NIT happening over on the ESPN, uh, you know, family of networks, you've got the women's tournament, you've got these other smaller tournaments that have popped up, which are <laughs> even more opportunities for announcers. So it just goes on and on the abundance of college hoops, college hoops from for what I do in terms of you know following the broadcast following the announcers is probably my favorite sport just yeah. because of the volume and because of you know the the ability to work the remote You know, is my college hoops, I think, is the best in uh, this time of year. It doesn't get any better.
0: The smoke coming out of the remote, or as I like to say, just get a couple of wires like an IV into a vein for all of these games, all of these screens. And I will say you you do such a tremendous job. I utilized your Twitter handle last night because I was I was uh, out of pocket and listening to the Westwood One broadcast, and I said I know that's John Crispin uh, as the analyst who I worked with briefly at Fox Sports Radio a decade ago, Phil. I'm going, who is the play-by-play guy? I think I recognize that voice. I'm testifying right here on the Announcer schedules podcast. I went to the Twitter handle and found out that it was Ted Emmerich working the first four games, the NCAA tournament games, for Westwood One. That That's how valuable what you do is on Twitter, on social media, and also through this podcast, illuminating the announcer's And the broadcasters, I say bravo to you, bravo to you on a March edition, because I was able to find it right there with the info. And
1: and that's what we try to provide with that Twitter feed is, you know, simply a viewer's guide on any given night that you can check out, you know, who's calling the game. You can, you know, give kudos and and that kind of thing. I know it's been useful to a lot of the announcers as well, you know, as far as, you know, just kind of teeing them up so they can, Mm -hmm. you know, report on wherever they might be. And, you know, I'm happy to provide the service. I enjoy it. You know, like someone was asking me about it the other day, TJ, and I equated it to people who do crossword puzzles. You know, it's just sort of like it. it kind of gets my mind going. It's it's what I do. I just kind of do my my research and kind of put together the the notes and that kind of thing. And I was doing it even before the Twitter feed as just a guide for myself to to you know to to follow the games and follow the announcers and kind of keep things straight as I'm working those remote controls. And it's been a lot of fun to be able to share it with the public. And you know, I, I hope hopefully it's it's helped the the industry and
0: uh, you know a lot of folks you know, who have been able to utilize it. You do a fantastic job with it. I prop you up whenever I get the chance. Uh, So while we are right there, uh, why don't we talk about a little March? Let's have some fun right at the top here because you know this, you helped promote this. Uh, I had the privilege of working not one, but three conference tournament title games for TuneIn and National Radio last week, including UNC Asheville's Big South title win in Charlotte, Northern Kentucky's Horizon League title win, That came in Indianapolis and then we came to Saturday night in Atlantic City New Jersey the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference title game that's the wheelhouse of the unelected mayor of Atlantic City Mike Gill who hosts this podcast with you so I got I got into the godfather's realm there in Atlantic City but better than me telling you about this Phil and audience here's some of Mike Gill doing the play-by-play he and I alternated some play-by-play on the maac title game this is mike gill calling iona marist for the automatic bid now some critiquing of mike gill upcoming here you go from tune in
1: ferris between the circles backs up Harris on the left wing. Harris all the way to the basket, kicks it into the corner. Seven to shoot, spinning towards the basket, loses the handle. Gardner for three, got it to go! Patrick Gardner, his second three of the night, makes it 42 39 with 12 31 to play.
0: How about um, my man Gill all over it, animated with the call on that play and with a lot of the play by play calls? So uh, again, add him to the announcer schedules list doing play by play, not just the host of this podcast on TuneIn. in. It was a, it was a thrill to be around him and to watch Rick uh, Patino's Iona team get the win, Phil.
1: Yeah, and I know that's a, a bit of an untraditional venue you guys are at, that boardwalk in Atlantic City. Tell us a little bit about the logistics there.
0: So it's boardwalk hall right on the boardwalk. It is a it is probably a 60 or 70-year-old building that's been renovated in the last 15 or 20 years. They used to have the Miss America pageant hello there for about four decades. Uh, and, and now that tournament has done a short-term deal and is now actually re-upped to be in there. The Atlantic 10 has previously played its conference tournaments, men's and women's, in that building. It's it's more of like a convention center, not so much of a, of a basketball arena where the seats around the court go straight up uh, like a basketball or hockey arena does. Uh, it was a, an interesting venue, and it was, look, they had probably four or 5,000 fans, a lot of it, Iona, Marist, not too far away for their fans to drive in. They had a losing record, Marist, but they won three games in three nights to get to the title game. They had some fans. We had a great time, and Mike did a fantastic job. Public props to Mike for helping out with everything on that broadcast for Iona's win uh, there in the Troy. So how about that? Mike Gill leads off the announcing on the announcer schedules podcast on a play-by-play call.
1: Yeah. There's a twist to the, to the podcast right there (laughs) off off the top. And, you know, it it was great that you guys were able to get together and, and provide that broadcast, you know, whenever these teams are clinching the, you know, championship of these tournaments. It's, it's the automatic bid to the tournament, uh, the big one, the big dance, and you can just feel the emotion. I was in Asheville for the SoCon Championship a week prior, TJ. Wow. I got to feel that. I was, I was actually – I'm very gracious, a, a guest of uh, Westwood One for it, and I got to sit as a fan, but then I got to go down there to the – court, you know, during the trophy presentation and all that. And you could feel the energy when, you know, the Firm and Paladins, you know, <laughs> clinched their ticket to go to the big dance. And, you know, it, it's a big deal, these conference tournaments. And uh really cool that you guys you were able to do a few of them and that you guys were able to get together in AC.
0: And and again, uh, in that setting, Furman got revenge on Tennessee Chattanooga, who a year ago beat them on a three point shot at the buzzer to knock them out of the NCAA tournament. Now they come back around 52 weeks later and beat Chattanooga and go to the tournament themselves for the first time since Jimmy Carter was the president. And I know President Carter is in hospice care Uh, in his 90s, but it has been a while for Furman, March of 1980. Ronald Reagan had not yet been elected yet. That is crazy on the last time Furman uh, has gotten in the tournament. Uh, So you mentioned that. All right, so the first four is underway. Tom McCarthy and Avery Johnson have been doing that on, on True TV. We're about to get to the Thursday and Friday games with the different announcer pairings. Uh, It's interesting on the Thursday-Saturday games, Jim Nance, Bill Raftery, Grant Hill, and Tracy Wolfson as the number one crew. They're in Birmingham, uh, where top seed Alabama is, and top seed in the Midwest bracket, Houston. Both of them are in the same pod, even in different brackets. Uh, So let's begin with all the announcers that we're going to see on CBS, TNT, TBS, True TV. What, What stands out with these different announcer pairings? Go ahead, Phil.
1: Yeah, it, it's a lot to to sort out, obviously. So, you know, the way I kind of organize them is who's at what site. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you mentioned Birmingham with, you know, the the number one team with Nance Rafter in, in Hill and Wolfson. You know, that 12-15 on Thursday, Maryland and West Virginia, to me, that is the, you know, the crescendo of all this madness where, you know, everyone is all pumped up. They can't wait to tune in. People are... You know, getting out of their offices, doing whatever it takes to get to a sports bar, or to, to hide out with their phone or whatever, yes. whatever it takes at 1215 Eastern time on Thursday. And, you know, kind of cool that the the number one team, Nance's final, you know, year as mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the voice of the final four and so forth uh, gets kicked off there. Um, Orlando, you know, which is, you know, up your way, of course. Virginia, Tennessee, Duke, and San Diego State, you know, the, the big teams in that one. That's the Kevin Harlan, Dan Bonner, and Stan Van Gundy, who is new to the mix. Um, him he working his first NCA tournament. Uh, he'll be there. Uh two of those games on True TV, the two afternoon games, and then the, the two evening games are on CBS. And then Thursday, Saturday in Sacramento, that's Nestler, Brendan Haywood, and Dana Jacobson. And then in Des Moines, where Kansas and Texas were I'm sure we'll have some huge crowds. Brian Anderson, Jim Jackson, and Allie LaForce. You know, the pairings go on, you know, to Friday, of course. We can go over those also. We'll do
0: that in a second, but let's go back. I will have a chance to be in Orlando, God willing, because it's about 70 miles from me in Tampa Bay, where I am based, Phil. So I don't know that I'll get to hear a lot. Of that pairing. But it's interesting that Stan Van Gundy, primarily known as an NBA coach and an NBA analyst, but this is the influence of Turner, what's now Warner Discovery. That's the parent company, Warner Discovery. But the Turner influence from the NBA has Van Gundy, and I love Dan Bonner and have for 25 years, has such great insight. Kevin Harlan, fantastic. I I really I, I will enjoy, I enjoy all of these different announced pairings, but I think I'm gonna have a lot of fun hearing some of that when I get a chance to hear it.
1: Yeah, I, I really love what, what Stan Van Gundy brings to the table. I mean, he'll bring a lot of, you know, color, I'm sure, to to that broadcast. And, you know, you, you mentioned Dan Bonner, and what's sticking out to me is the this is an NBA-heavy, you know, group. And part of it is sort of the the roster that, you know, Turner and, 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 you know, Warner Brothers has. But you look at the the announcers who are calling these games, and the majority of them, I don't think, you know, spent the – the majority of the last few months calling college basketball necessarily. Right. You know, some of them had NBA, you know, uh, duties. A lot of them are just coming off of a big NFL or college football slate, that kind of thing. Some of them came in towards the end of the year, you know, working conference championships in those last couple weekends, you know, to to kind of get in the flow and that kind of thing. But it's a handful of announcers. And on those Thursday, um, Saturday pairings, Bill Raftery, Dan Bonner, and Jim Jackson, who does both NBA and college hoops, are ones who I would put in the category of, hey, these guys worked, you know, a ton of college hoops during the season. Also, Steven Bardo on, on, on Westwood One comes to mind. Um, he'll be doing um, the action from Birmingham with Brandon Gauden, who was just named the, the voice of the Braves. Uh, so, yeah, you know, like the majority of these guys did not, aren't like college hoops Gurus, or you know, aren't the ones you know, living and breathing the sport throughout the year, so that's sort of a bit interesting, but obviously, these are all top of their craft professionals because they get those NBA assignments and NFL assignments as well.
0: And they sprinkle them in with college uh, themed announcers Uh, like Kevin Harlan obviously does a couple of CBS games, usually prior to the tournament and has been doing the tournament for so long and has been doing college basketball on CBS for so long. Uh, including radio previously for Westwood one of the NCAA tournament uh, as well before that. So he's intertwined there for Van Gundy to come in. You mentioned Jim Jackson because Brian Anderson is primarily known as an NBA announcer or more prominently as a major league baseball announcer. But Jim Jackson's been working all these college games in the big 10 and in the big East and knows the different teams and and the different matchups, including having worked the big 10 tournament, uh, or uh, having worked the Big East tournament this past weekend, won by Marquette. So you sprinkle those in uh, for the Thursday cruise. Let's go on to the Friday cruise at the different sites in Columbus, Greensboro, Denver, and Albany. Four more cruises for the television networks and the Westwood One radio networks. What stands out, Phil DeMontmolin? Looking forward to 16 more games on Friday of this NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, well, Andrew Catalan and and Steve Lapis' team certainly stand out because they are one that is singularly focused on college basketball during the college basketball season. These guys get an assignment every week, and they're always paired together. You know, usually play-by-play and analysts in in college sports often are – you know, especially college hoops, you you see a, a lot of different pairings and, and that kind of thing, but Catalan and Lapis have, I forget the number, but it's a long streak that they have going. And uh, we had Catalan as a guest on this podcast, you know, mm-hmm. last summer, and he was able to kind of talk about that chemistry and so forth. So, you know, I, I, that's what immediately comes to mind. And, you know, the Westwood one team also in Columbus, Kevin Kugler and Jordan Cornett, those are two guys, Doing a high volume of college hoops. Jordan Cornett's a fairly new name, but Kugler, boy, does he stay busy during the, the college basketball season. He also is an, an NFL, you know, guy as well. Does college football also? But he is doing uh, multiple Big Ten network games every week during the weekdays, and then he, you know, usually hits something, you know, maybe on Fox Sports One or you know that kind of thing on the weekend. So you know, he certainly knows his way around college basketball as much as anyone um, other ones that come to mind, you know, you look at Greensboro, Iron Eagle, who's going to, you know, um, succeed Jim Nance, you know, as that, that primary voice, Jim Spinarkel. I mean, speaking of a, a veteran college basketball authority, Eagle and Sparnarkle have that long history together from their days with the Nets. Um, you know, so they have a ton of chemistry. Um, in Denver, there's the Lisa Byington, Steve Smith, Avery Johnson team. Andy Katz is the reporter there. Certainly, uh, you know, a, a college basketball authority. And then in Albany, which is the five, twelve, and 14th, 13 games where you know you would have those ones circled as potential upsets, you know, no, no doubt you want to keep your eye on that. Spiro Didas, Deb Antonelli, and AJ Ross, and the Westwood One team of Scott Graham and PJ Carlissimo are are there in Albany. So, you know, some interesting pairings again to the Friday, Sunday, but you know, the the same sort of thing pops out to me as far as you know this blend of NBA voices along with these college basketball voices. It even extends to Westwood one in Denver, you know, Dave Pash handling the play-by-play with Fran Fischilla on analysts. Oh yeah. It's kind of interesting, you know, getting these guys together, obviously all these names, absolute pros, they're going to handle it very, very well. But to me, it's interesting the guys who have spent that much time in college basketball, perhaps, you know, they
0: might know a few more of the, you know, the, the inner workings of of some of these teams. The conversation continues again in a moment, but first let's tell you about our friends at Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. If you are looking to go to any of those NCAA tournament sites this weekend, whether that's all the way up in Albany, New York, all the way out to Sacramento, California, or anywhere in between from Birmingham to Columbus, Ohio, to Des Moines, Iowa, to Orlando, Florida, any of those locations, Think about using Ticket Smarter to get into those March Madness games. And the reason you want to do that... Is they've got a 100% guarantee on customer service satisfaction and your purchase, and the most competitive prices on the secondary market as well. Just find Ticket Smarter, the Ticket Smarter mobile app, and we're gonna make it worth your while as well. Take $10 off your order with our promo code Hoops23. That's Hoops23 for $10 off your order, and you can use this as many times as you want with Ticket Smarter and the mobile app. Again, you've got great customer service. You've got a 100% guarantee. The most competitive prices on the secondary ticket market for all these great games. The mayhem of March and the madness, not just here, but the Sweet 16 Elite 8 round that's coming. Final Four in Houston. Remember Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. We want you to think smarter, ticket smarter, and take $10 off with our promo code HOOPS23. No doubt. And just to go back over a couple of them that you mentioned, Ian Eagle and Jim Sponarkle have been doing the NCAA tournament on CBS and now the Turner fleet of of channels for 25 years, going back to the beginning, late 90s, beginning of the 2000s. That's a rock solid team, as you mentioned. Uh, And also Lisa Byington, very fascinating. She has really come into her own as an NBA announcer now, but previously was doing this work. Uh, with the NCAA tournament over the last couple of years, including calling the great upset of uh, Abilene Christian, ACU, upsetting mighty Texas. Lisa Byington was on the call. This gives us a good chance to get a couple of plugs in for our buddy George Offman and his Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast. That's on this podcast feed. Last word on sports media. If you search this podcast feed for the name Lisa Byington, just go onto the search queue, Uh, wherever you get your podcast, and put Lisa Byington's name in, you'll hear the full conversation that George had with her. She's got Chicago ties, uh, played high school basketball, I believe, in Chicago, and eventually became a broadcaster, and now is the voice of the Milwaukee Bucks, but is also a college basketball voice for uh, the coverage on Turner's stations and CBS. So Lisa Byington, again, with Steve Smith, Avery Johnson, and Andy Katz are in Denver. Keep an ear on her. And by the way, while we're here, can we plug one more time, Phil, that Greg Gumbel, who is synonymous with the studio show of the NCAA tournament with Clark Kellogg and with Seth Davis, uh, Greg Gumble is the guest. Part two of a conversation with George on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. It's two podcasts before this one on the feed, or search the name Gumbel, G-U-M-B-E-L, G-U-M-B-E-L. Search that name. You'll hear Greg Gumbel telling great stories about working the studio for CBS's March Madness. I'll even tease for you, Phil DeMond Mullen. Greg Gumbel was there in 1990 in Denver, had worked the tournament for CBS that year. And that's when the news came out that Brent Musburger could not agree to a new contract with CBS, and they were letting him go. Goodbye at the end of the Final Four. And in his own words, I'll tease it, Greg Gumbel describes coming up to Brent Musburger and having a conversation with him in Denver prior to the UNLV blowout win over Duke. Go hear it on the podcast with George. It's two podcasts back. But again, Gumbel, Clark Kellogg, Seth Davis. They have been there for going on probably close to 30 years right now with CBS. They are institutions at this point on uh, the studio show film.
1: Yeah. And, in- I think that sort of is indicative of what CBS provides to the this tournament. There's a familiarity, there's a, you know, feel to it. And, you know, when you've got names like that who have been around so long and doing it, it reinforces that when you hear their their voice along with that music, along with, you know, kind of the the look and feel of it all. It feels so comfortable, you know, every single march to to tune in again. And, you know, that's a credit not just to to the on-air talent, but also all the ones working behind the scenes on the production side and, you know, the, the ones who originally dreamt all this up, you know, as far as, you know, we talked about it when you and I did that tribute to to Billy Packer, you know, this wasn't what it always has been necessarily you right. know it's come a long way you know this tournament the production you know the event of of March Madness and uh, hats off to to all the folks including Billy Packer the late Billy Packer who contributed you know to, to what we see today with March Madness
0: people can't fathom because we're older people can't fathom that in the late 70s the early 80s not every one of these games was even on TV there were only a select few of them in the late 70s that would actually get on TV uh, because they just didn't have the capability and didn't have a multi-channel deal to put them on. There was no Internet. Uh, satellite TV was just coming in. And then for the longest time, CBS would show some of the games live in the early 80s, but then tape delay other ones, because, again, not having more than one channel and the capability of it, you would only see maybe two or three games on the Thursday of the the first round you would only see i know this is hard to fathom phil you know this that you'd only see two or three games on friday Uh, before it began to narrow down and they could show more of it. And they were showing games after the late local news at 1130 at night. Tape delay. I still remember watching Andre Turner, Keith Lee, and my Memphis State Tigers against Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, and the Houston Cougars for the NCAA tournament tape delayed on CBS at like midnight, 1 a.m. We're watching the rebroadcast of a taped game from earlier in the night. Man, we have it so much better. We have it so much easier. Don't we fill in the present day with all these games everywhere real quick?
1: Yeah, no doubt and uh you know, you're you're taking me back, you know. I was <laughs> school age back then and those were school nights for me on those Thursdays. Yes. <laughs> I was up that late watching it, just soaking it in. But, but uh yeah, you know, it is just an incredible how far it's come, you know, not just the, you know, the the coverage on multiple networks, but obviously the technology everybody can pull this up on their on their phone and and, and so forth and you know, you could even just follow along on Twitter. Twitter for all that, you know, matters, you know, as far as the amount of highlights that are, are produced in that kind of thing. So it's a whole different world, but it's great to see, you know, as far as sort of the, the tradition of the tournament and, you know, the, to me back to basics, like the, the, the bread and butter of it, you know, the classic cause the, the, you know, the, the outro music, all those things, uh, add up to just a, a, a fun experience this
0: time of year. Oh, there's no doubt. All right. So uh, we'll look back real quick at conference tournament championships, including who did it well. It's always a fun listen uh, to Dave Pash and Bill Walton. But uh, really, Phil, they had an exciting finish to the Arizona UCLA game. Let's go back and relive that now off of ESPN's coverage and Dave Pash's call as the Pac 12 tournament was ending in Las Vegas. Critical that UCLA gets any possible rebound
1: missed it. And Hawkes has the
0: ball. They're not going to call timeout. Four seconds left. Open. Andrews for the win. A Arizona wins for the second straight year. The Pac-12 tournament title. Bill Demont Mullen. They were right on it there at the very end. That's two years in a row. Arizona has won the tournament. They won it in dramatic fashion. Thoughts? Uh, that, that pairing is always fun. And a great finish to that game late Saturday night.
1: Yeah, that was a a rare Passion Walton clip that we heard there that doesn't include Walton. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, he he, you know, steals the show or overshadows Pash so much, and it, you know, it's, it's constantly going viral. What what's Walton saying, and you know, what co- sort of tangent he's on this kind of round? That was Pash doing his thing, and I think sometimes it gets lost just how solid of a play by player he is. Obviously, you know, outstanding across multiple sports, and that was a great game that night. You know, I I was. Um, really excited to to see how that one went down. The crowd was wild there there in Vegas. Um, Walton was doing his thing, but at the same time, you know, hey, he knows when to back off a little bit and when it's crunch time and when the basketball has to take center stage. So uh, kudos to him as well. That's Walton's last game of the season. So some people are in mourning, others are celebrating. I'm sure, but uh, yeah, you know, um, always fun to have Passion Walton on the call. Um, Walton's also been doing those Monday night uh, shows with Jason Benetti on the NBA um, app, which is kind of a whole new um, alternate Mm -hmm. presentation. So he'll keep going with those, I'm sure, through the rest of the NBA season. But another year with with Passion Walton getting it done. Uh, Also, you know, kudos to Roxy Bernstein. He's another one who handles Bill Walton for a lot of these games. We had him on the show um, earlier um, in the podcast's history. But, yeah, always fun to see those guys. And, yeah, what a game, UCLA-Arizona. Those are two teams I'll be watching during the tournament as well Close,
0: No doubt. And Dave Pash, by the way, again, to re-illuminate uh, here, will be with Fran Freshilla on the radio. Westwood won radio's coverage from Denver coming Friday and Sunday to hear him there. Pash, obviously multi-talented uh, broadcaster for baseball, uh, I'm sorry, for uh, for basketball, but also with college football coverage for ESPN. And he's also the Arizona Cardinals play-by-play voice in the NFL. Very versatile uh, for that. Okay, we don't want to leave them out. The NIT and the Women's NCA Tournament, also NIT ongoing, Women's Tournament about to get underway, Women's NCA Tournament about to get underway. What stands out about announcers and, and the different people that are involved? Because this is what we do on announcer schedules uh, and the podcast.
1: Yeah, you know, the ESPN networks are showing the the early rounds of the NIT right now as we're, we're taping this. And I must confess, I spent more time watching the NIT games um, on Tuesday night than I did the first four. For whatever reason, my remote kept on flipping over to those games. And I don't know if it's, you know, just sort of the first four. I hasn't quite... Resonated with me the way perhaps it has with with some folks, but you know I enjoyed going over to those those NIT games quite a bit, and you know part of it is you get that many more announcers you, you get to tune in to, and yeah, the, all the usual suspects. You look at the the list of play by players. We mentioned Roxy Bernstein. He was in in Boulder, you know, for for that one. You know, you got you know typical names like Roy Philpot and Doug Sherman and Mark Neely on the the play by play side. Drew Carter, and then analysts. You know, a lot of these familiar names and by the way you know unlike you know uh, CBS and, and TNT and TBS and True TV, these are all college basketball. Guys, You know, who have spent the whole season basically having multiple assignments every single week, you know, staying busy all year long with college basketball. So good for all of them to have sort of this reward of a few more games in the in the NIT. Because, you, you know, you look at the list of analysts, and they're all very familiar, you know, if you follow the Twitter feed, or you, you tune into any of these games, Corey Alexander, I mean, that guy's everywhere. He does games mm-hmm. all over the place. He's been doing some NBA for um, ESPN radio as well. Some analysts work there. He even tried his hand as a play-by-player for a few games this year, working with Randolph Childress, uh, Paul Biancardi, who's the you know the recruiting expert, Fran Frischilla, we mentioned him earlier, so he's gonna you know juggle Westwood One duties for the NCAA tournament and also some of these NIT games. Uh, Noah Savage, who's like an Ivy League expert, he'll he'll be part of it. Perry Clark, you know the former coach, you know he's um, a couple seasons into his broadcasting career as well. Adrian Branch, he's been around a long time. Sean Farnham as well, so familiar names in the college basketball world on the nit side of things
0: yep and the women's tournament uh that's getting underway uh that again espn and abc abc will actually have as well the the women's championship game uh that is getting underway and any announcer pairings that stand out there for people that are watching whether it's on the espn fleet of networks or the app etc
1: well a few notables uh, first you know on a on a personal um front. I'm actually heading to Knoxville on Saturday. I've got a, you know, a supporting role with the ESPN2 and ABC broadcasts that are happening there including, you know, the the Vols playing on their their home court there. Pam Ward and Stephanie White will be the announcing team there in Knoxville. Um, and then a couple others that, that come to mind, you know, I, I noticed Beth Moens there with Christy Thomas-Cuddy. Mm-hmm. Typically, Moens is, is with Deb Antonelli, you know, for, for so many of these type of games. Obviously, Antonelli with an assignment with the NCAA tournament. They'll pair up later in the women's tournament once the men's NCA assignment for Antonelli um, is complete. Uh, Tiffany Green is working with Jimmy Dykes. That so, would be
0: Tampa's Tiffany Green. Keep going Tiffany Green uh, along with Jimmy Dykes who at one time was also the Arkansas Women's coach. I love that pairing Phil De Montmollen.
1: Yeah, re- really cool pairing and, and kind of cool to see, you know, a guy like Jimmy Dykes who's who's been calling men's games all year long, you know, shift over to the women's side, but like you said, he's got a lot of experience in the the women's arena as well. And then uh, of course, you know, I I always, you know, want to mention Dave O'Brien, you know, and and uh, again talking about a versatile guy who's been at it a long long time. I remember him back in his Marlins days, um way back when when he was getting his career going, but Dave O'Brien and Christy Winter Scott, one of the the pairings as well. So, women's tournament getting going also, you know, Get multiple screens, get get your thumb going on the <laughs> remote control. There is so much basketball going on at once. And uh, you know, it's great to see the the women's uh tournament as well, getting a lot of these, you know, great pairings of announcers also, you know, certainly a, a big, big product. And uh it's it's come a long way, you know, since since its early days, of course, as well, where every game is now televised
0: also. And and by the way, you're talking to somebody, I think you know this, who cut his teeth originally as the Memphis State women's play by play person we were never fortunate enough to get into the ncaa tournament in the in the two years that i began my career uh doing that uh, and there wasn't even a women's nit in the late 1980s it did not start up till later uh after that but i, I have uh much love for uh the women's game again i've got twin daughters that are uh, going to be 15 later this summer they get into all the basketball including the women's tournament so we'll be watching as all of that unfolds Lots and lots and lots of hoops we continue uh for a few more minutes going over the hoops and the other sports as well here uh phil and what about the nba because the nba schedule has had to kind of be abbreviated a little bit with all the turner nb uh turner uh college coverage when they would usually have nba games same thing with espn because of the women's tournament so that's going to lessen things a little bit
1: yeah so it, it is interesting where you know you're you're used to you know a, a tnt game or double header on Thursdays Uh, you're used to, you know, this time of year, the ABC game on Saturday night uh, with, you know, Mike Breen in company, you're, you're seeing games on Sunday, you know, you, you notice the NBA on ESPN really kind of ramping up a lot of its, um, you know, programming once the NFL in football seasons ended. And now you're seeing the NBA step aside and, you know, I wonder if part of it too, is just, you know, for the betterment of the sport of basketball altogether that, Hey, there's no reason to, to shoehorn in NBA, uh, you know, against all this, this college hoops, but yeah, ESPN had some games on Wednesday, but there won't be any ESPN or ABC games uh, this weekend. Also of note, you know, you mentioned the women's tournament as a, as a reason why ESPN sort of clears out the college wrestling championships are help having going down this weekend also, and they're getting some, some, some nice... You know, uh, placement also on the big ESPN network on Friday and Saturday nights. Mike Cousins, another guest of, of the podcast, uh, is the play by player for the wrestling championships. We talked to Mike about the the unique nature of mm. being a play by play man of a college wrestling championship. A lot going on, and um, you know, you you need to know that sport before you probably uh, tackle it at, at that level. But you know, um, all the best to Mike this weekend at the wrestling championships, and you know, just just kind of interesting you know as these um you know the nba clears out and then as you alluded to the nba talent you know who are used to seeing call these games on TV that's TV right
0: work in the ncaa tournament yeah for these two uh thursdays that come kicking in on the uh, the first round and then the Sweet 16 games on the Thursday, that's where TNT-Turner would normally have that doubleheader. But a lot of their announcers are doing that game. Uh, and speaking of filling up the ESPN platforms, including ABC, the National Hockey League is also a factor uh, in this. The NHL will have its primetime game, and it will come on Saturday uh, with the Rangers and, and the Penguins uh, so I mean there is something for everybody and ESPN is busy with so much hopping around with all the tournaments and the college hoops uh, usually having the NBA on ESPN and, and ABC but uh, the, the NHL is now back for a second season on ESPN and that factors in during all the March Madness uh, is is getting in NHL primetime games as well
1: yeah and, and you know in TNT a partner with the NHL as well and you know they had some games on, on Wednesday night on TNT and yeah, you know, it, it's yet another offering. I mean, I'm sure there's some hardcore ice hockey fans who are going to tune into the NHL rather than, you know, March madness, but it, it's, it's right there for you. Um, a big Saturday night game on ABC.
0: All right. Another thing that is of interest is the world baseball classic that is ongoing Fox. Uh, sports and their and their platforms are televising this you should know phil demont because you love the announcer talk and the announcer schedules you're talking to a guy that worked the original world baseball classic then on xm satellite radio pre-merger we had the exclusive radio coverage of the world baseball classic and i got assigned to the opening round of the 2006 inaugural World Baseball Classic in San Juan, Puerto Rico, I was there for the pool action with Puerto Rico and Cuba. Tom Pachorik, Wimpy, Tom Pachorik, and I did World Baseball Classic games. I don't want to admit that was 17 years ago in the uh, in the opening World Baseball Classic that had sites everywhere. I still remember uh, they were playing a pool in uh, Arizona. In Phoenix, they played one in Japan. They played one a couple of other places uh, before it all narrowed down. So just say something about the world baseball classic. And we even want to set up a great play-by-play call to get baseball fans fired up for the upcoming baseball season. Go ahead, Phil.
1: Yeah, I mean, it continues to kind of bring me into it more and more as as each one comes around. And um, I remember living down in Miami, you know, and they're a host again this year. And with the international flavor of the, the Metropolitan down there, I mean, the World Baseball Classic, they were, it was a tough ticket. Fans were going Berserk for this thing um you know frankly you know much better attended and much better supported than the marlins (laughs) themselves but you know it is it makes for some really interesting drama you know there's enough mlb players now you know who who come from these different places that there's a sprinkling of them on on most of the teams and, and so forth and you know in in terms of the announcers and the TV coverage of it, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, there's a world feed, you know, for the majority of the games, and Fox Sports also has their hand at this. MLB Network is doing a lot of the production on the the world feed side. I, I, you know, I think it's part of their umbrella as far as how that's originating. But then Fox Sports, for some games, is. Using their announcers, um, you know, that, that number one team of Joe Davis, John Smoltz and Ken Rosenthal, they've done some games, including the games, you know, uh, one of the games, including the USA, at least one of them. And then Jason Benetti, um, uh, you know moved in um into davis's spot for a couple of those games as well but then a lot of familiar names also rich waltz you know who's a personal favorite of mine dating back to his marlins days Mm -hmm. uh with buck martinez they've been doing a lot of those games in phoenix dave fleming who's obviously a familiar voice you know i saw people a couple people wondering if what's dave fleming doing on fs1 and you know like all like in a panic you know whether there was some you know um you know news or happening or, or whatnot but it was simply the case fleming and yonder alonso the former miami hurricane doing the games in miami and the two of them are doing it for the world feed but fs1 picks it up and that's mm-hmm. the same situation with a couple of announcer teams who are in the um another continent on the other side of the world in asia steven nelson and jose moda in tokyo and then tyler Mon and ryan roland smith in taiwan
0: and I know you want to say a little more about Tyler Mon because I I don't really know that name. I'm getting acclimated to different announcers and you help with this all the time and we want to set up a great call of his and play it here on the podcast. Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, so Tyler
1: Mon, it it's kind of fascinating and I I think, you know, the Twitter feed at announcer schedule has been a small part of it actually because Tyler Mon has started to go viral and his name is on the rise suddenly and I didn't know much about him until you know these games came around he's been in Taiwan of all places mm-hmm. so you know he's he's doing his work there I I tried to do some research on him exactly what his background was he's a, he's a Denver guy done work for Altitude Sports Voice of University of Denver has done some minor league baseball over the years but I had not you know you know how many announcer names I type, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, across the, the 365 days a year or what have you. I had never typed his name before until the World Baseball Classic. So, you know, I was getting to know him for the first time, too. And some of his calls have been great. And, you know, the, the, the public and, the, you know, the, the, the baseball community and so forth is starting to gravitate to him a little bit. So this could be a real springboard for Tyler's career.
0: And what are we about to hear on the clip here for the audience on the announcer schedules podcast set that up here this is from world baseball classic action again in Taiwan, as you mentioned so uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, this was a, you know, one of these games Chinese Taipei versus the Netherlands um, home. Home. Stadium situation where the place is absolutely going berserk, you know, and and, uh, the long balls are starting to, you know, make their way out of the park. And, you know, these games, some of them have been happening at, like, 5 or 6 a.m. Eastern time. <laughs> I mean, if you're a serious insomniac with the amount of sports that we have going on and the amount of sports programming and you're, you're still tuning into that, you know, hey, hats off to you. But, you know, um, by the time I got up, you know, some of these clips, you know, were, were, were getting circulated and in, in that kind of thing. And, you know, I really look at this, you know, not just this clip, but some of the other ones from, from Tyler, but his whole experience of the World Baseball Classic. And he's kind of, you know, shared some of these thoughts himself on social media, how it's been just such a, you know, a wonderful experience for him. And, and you know, a, a um, you know, just kind of a game changer, it seems in his career.
0: All right. So let's listen to this. Now, here is that clip.
1: Has done it again!
0: again, that's courtesy of Fox sports, the world feed of Tyler Mon. Uh, In Taiwan, and I can I can just follow up. I know it was 17 years ago. The the atmosphere was berserk and bedlam in San Juan, as you can imagine, for Puerto Rico playing Cuba, even then Uh, rivalry situation uh, with that. So they're all around the globe. They are interested in this, including in the Far East, including in uh, in the US and Mexico, uh, everywhere where baseball is played. So good stuff on the world baseball Classic. All right, we wind it down with a couple of more things. I know that you want to uh, mention a tribute, somebody that uh, has done what you enjoy doing in terms of stats and stats for TV and radio broadcasters. They are always so valuable in helping broadcast a game and a statistical legend intertwined with so many different big time broadcasters, in particular at CBS, has passed away recently. Go ahead, uh, Phil, with more on that.
1: Yeah, so, You know, some, some sad news. The, these last couple of days as we're taping this podcast, Pat McGrath, um, you know, passed away and, you know, the, the, you know, the average, you know, viewer of, you know, television sports might not know that name probably doesn't, but he has been one of the preeminent top of his craft, top of the craft um, talent statisticians in the business for decades and he's worked um, with big, big names. You know, he's he's Jim Nance's right hand. Guy, he works as many games for Kevin Harlan as he possibly can. He's done a ton with Dave Pash. Also, he worked the Monday Night Football package with with Steve Levy. Um, and then, d- dating back to, to earlier in his career, he worked with huge names like Jack Buck and Lindsey Nelson. And you know, there, there's a haven't done this myself on a on a freelance and part time basis for you know the past twenty years or so. I would see Pat every once in a while at at a at a gig. and you know, perhaps I was you know do, working on one of the radio calls and Pat was doing network TV or, or what have you. And it was always kind of amazing to me that he got so many places. You know, we talk about the announcers' mm-hmm. schedules and their travels and so forth. But Pat was one of the few guys. there's a there's a small handful TJ of talent statisticians who turn it into a full-time job. And literally stay busy twelve months a year.
0: Road warriors. And live it's not like of, they oh, are like if I can interject, live out of airports, live out of hotels and are constantly somewhere at a game multiple times a week. Absolutely.
1: yeah. and, and you know the in in that st- statistician role, typically you've got the flexibility to work for multiple networks too. So they are all over the place, you know, for just cramming in as many games Mm -hmm. as they as as they possibly can. And Pat was one of those guys. And I remember I I had some duties on a Westwood one. um, I want to say it's either a Sunday night. It must have been a Monday night call of a Dolphins game. And Pat McGrath, like got in there just at the nick of time because he was traveling from Seattle or someplace on the, on the, on the West coast, you know, the the day and there was delays and all this stuff, but somehow, you know, they always seem to to make it work and get there on time and, and pull it off. And, you know, I've seen some great tributes from some of the announcers, you know, and, you know, talking about how Pat, you know, not only, you know, would, would help them on game days, but even if a game he wasn't working, he would he would provide some nuggets and that kind of thing. He'll sure. go to the to the crew of the, you know, say he's doing a TV game and there's a national radio crew on site at the same time. Pre-game, he'll he'll stop by their group and say, hey guys, I want to share a couple of these with you so you have them as well. I mean, just a classic tradesman in terms of the the talent statistician role. And for anyone who doesn't really know what that is, basically, you know, when you hear anything numerical on a television broadcast from the announcer, it's coming from a guy like pat you know he's feeding the numbers and the stats and the notes uh to the announcer also helping the truck as well as they're they're building graphics and that kind of thing but mcgrath is one of the guys who wrote the book on this trade of talent statistician um one of you know the the the, the elite, no doubt. And um, yeah, some sad news this this um, past week that, you know, he, he's, he's no longer with us. But, you know, he left a big legacy and he helped a lot of young statisticians, you know, like myself, you know, kind of, hey, this is the way you're supposed to approach this job. And this is how you can be of service to, to any given broadcast.
0: That is well said on all of that. Here's the tribute they did during the first 4 broadcasts on two on True TV. Tom McCarthy is the play-by-play guy doing the tribute to Pat McGrath and how much he meant to play-by-play guys for decades.
1: Here in UD Arena. It is with deep set that we share the news of our longtime colleague and friend, Pat McGrath, who passed away yesterday. Pat was one of the premier sports statisticians in the business, working on a variety of major events throughout his legendary career. In fact, in his phone, he kept a list of all the play-by-play and analysts that he worked with. It was in the hundreds. Guys like Lindsey Nelson, Jack Buck, Jim Nance, Kevin Harlan. It
0: goes back decades. 30 years of NCAA tournaments he was part of
1: alongside We send our deepest, our deepest condolences to Pat's
0: family. He will be greatly missed. Very fitting. And the outpouring has been everywhere, uh, really, for the last two or three days from announcers about how much this guy helped them and was willing uh, to sacrifice time, effort, travel, all of that. So rest in peace, Pat McGrath, for sure. You want to end it on a happy note? here it's march we we got to get something exciting and pep everybody up you want to pep them up with a little last second buzzer beater national championship call is that what you want to do here to wrap it up
1: you remember 1983 <laughs> national championship do game I? God. Yeah. <laughs>
0: How can you forget? How can you forget? You know, uh, just the the,
1: one of the just the absolute classics. You know, they this clip, it's not like we're we're doing something completely original here or anything like that. But an absolute classic people, you know, certainly remember, you know, Billy Packer. We had a whole show on 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 him uh, a while back, TJ. But play-by-player on this one was Gary Bender, you know, and so sometimes he kind of gets lost in the sauce a little bit, but what a moment of the 1983 NCAA championship game, and of course, you know, uh, Jimmy V, you know, uh, you
0: know, and his reaction as well. All right, so let's go back to that night in March of 83. Here's the way it sounded on the CBS TV call. Drive to the
1: basket. It's down to seven seconds. You can see the tie.
0: Yeah, the um, the amazing ending uh, to beat Phi Slamma Jamma, who was seemingly invincible. Jim Valvano's team played uh, a remarkable slowdown kind of game, and uh, Houston was not accustomed to it, unraveled, missed free throws, and Derek Wittenberg, who still claims to this day that that was a pass. Sorry, Derek, it wasn't a pass. The late Lorenzo Charles was heads up enough to see that the ball was a foot or two short, caught it on the way down and dunked it in to end the game. And Jim Valvano, as you mentioned, Phil, was just looking for somebody to hug at the pit in Albuquerque running around. What an epic moment. And it helped launch the idea that this event could become what it's become and you could see every game. CBS could find a way to eventually televise every game if they could and now with uh, with different partners um, televise every game of the NCAA tournament, that helped it that night in Albuquerque, NC State, and Phi Slamma Jamma Houston. How about that? Yeah, just
1: um, awesome memory there. And, you know, it's yet another reminder of just the the magic of March Madness. We're going to have all sorts of moments, Mm. you know, maybe not with the stakes quite as high as that in the championship game. Oftentimes the championship game doesn't doesn't quite deliver the way the early rounds do, but we're going to have a bunch of buzzer beaters. It it, it just goes, it never fails, you know, how the March Madness always delivers. And, you know, can't wait to get it going this
0: weekend. It never disappoints. The magic, the charm of this thing with the little guy gets the shot at the big guy I will say this again it started last week Uh, When we started seeing Ohio State winning games and teams with losing records getting conference tournament title games, you're going to see 10 games, 10 of them uh, this weekend that don't have an explanation. How did that team with a double digit in front of their number hang with or beat the bigger guy? That's what this is all about. We can't wait on that. Final thoughts and comments. I've had a blast sitting here with you in for Mike Gill, who's on vacation this weekend. Mike will be back with you coming up. Uh, but uh, final thoughts from you as we as we put a wrap on the announcer schedules podcast and get ready for all the mayhem of the hoops and everything else.
1: Yeah, I I just can't wait to to get it going. You know, I, I encourage folks to to check out the Twitter feed if you want to follow along as far as all the the announcers goes at announcer skeds. You know, it is the time of year not only to you know enjoy all this basketball, but if you're a fan, which I'm, I'd imagine a lot of our listeners are of you know television broadcasting and and how all that works. You know, just you know some some great work being done behind the scenes, also, and, and what a, what an opportunity to kind of just take in you know the, these broadcasts, not just on the television side, but also Westwood one does a wonderful job on the, the NCAA tournament. You know, you're able to, to listen to those games in, in your car or from your device and so forth. And, you know, I was actually checking out a little bit of Emrick and Crispin also, you know, last night, um, you know, so that was fun. So, you know, really looking forward to all this. And I hope, you know, all the listeners enjoy March Madness as much as you and I will TJ. Mm. And I hope, I hope our buddy, Mike Gill is enjoying the, the Florida sunshine, you know, down there in Clearwater where the, the Phillies, uh, have their spring training also i can't wait to catch up with him also but hey big thanks to you tj not only you know host, co-hosting today's show uh with me but also all the support you give uh you know as far as us getting this thing off the ground what you know we're, we're on episode 40 tj so you know <laughs> we, we've covered some ground since this this idea was birthed once upon a time
0: yes and you and mike have done a tremendous job i i just kind of played uh matchmaker e-harmony on putting you guys together you've done the rest keep up the great work with the announcers schedules podcast uh again uh fantastic stuff as always as part of the last word on sports uh, media podcast feed last on sports.com slash podcast to find out more about it and again as phil mentioned announcer skeds s-k-e-d-s this is the twitter handle where you find out more on this my privilege to be with you here young man happy march happy mayhem just take consolation in the fact just like everybody else everybody's bracket's going to be blown up by five o'clock friday afternoon it's over for everybody and then we're just gonna enjoy the basketball the upsets are coming you just gotta figure out where uh that all of it's coming phil i enjoyed it great stuff thank you as always on the announcer schedules podcast i appreciate being able to keep the season warm for mike gill thanks tj appreciate it and we thank you for listening make sure to follow or subscribe last word on sports media podcast feed that's where you find us with the announcer schedules podcast